Hello, gracefully chosen community, and welcome to Foster My Stories, the achievement-focused podcast for foster care, adoption, orphan, inclusive of underserved communities. I'm your host, Shalina Michelle Tate, and on today's cast episode, I'm going to be interviewing Lyman Gibbs, a current resident here in the Midlands with a dynamic background and service. Hello, Lyman. How are you doing today? Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm here live with him, so yes. Thank you, and thank you for uh, being my guest here on Foster My Stories. Okay, before I get into your dynamic background, could you please tell the listeners a little bit about your upbringing? I'm from a humble beginning. I'm a single-parent mother from high school. My escape from my community, poverty-stricken, to play football. And then, of course, I went into the military. From the military, I went to South Carolina State, became a bulldog, a correction officer, a police officer. At one point, I used to work for Bamber Job Corps. Then I went international. I became an international police officer. I heard you say you basically your upbringing and how that kind of helped transition into being a correctional officer. Um, you talked a little bit about Bamber Job Corps and international as well. Could you tell the listeners about make the decision to become a correctional officer? Being in a project area, it was a lot of um, nefarious acts going on. I wasn't a part of that, but still, you know, I always see the effect that it had on people. You know, I used to feel sorry. You know, I wish I could help them out as I'm a tr- I was presented with the opportunity to change things in your community. Also looking at your Gibbs backstory as well, dynamic, really testimony, you know, his background kind of really helped transition him into his desire to be a change in the community, basically from his neighborhood, his upbringing, you know, seeing what he saw in his neighborhood on a day-to-day basis, living conditions. Lyman, could you tell the listeners, okay, so you, you grew up, probably have seen a lot in your neighborhood and just different things happening. What was it that was different as far as your childhood that you wanted? it to do to kind of like be separate from all of that telling someone the story of Psalms 27 says the Lord is your light and my salvation whom should I fear the Lord is the strength of my light whom should I be afraid the little boy you know he was growing up again there's a lot of nefarious actors had individual who was incarcerated they was coming in the community and trying to show guys my age you know the ropes I guess and I ain't going to prison <laughs> That's all. You crazy. You don't have to show me that. You know, you're coming home late at night. There used to be groups of guys on the corner. It, I must admit, I was scared. You know, I was like, yo, man, why don't you go around the block? <laughs> but, but that's a long way. But uh, I was like, yo, man, you, you're going to have to walk through this crowd. You know, I tested my manhood. I'm like 15 years old, late at night, coming home. Most of my friends didn't live in my community, so I used to walk to their house. And then at night, walk back to mine. That scripture right there, Psalms 27, I always felt like I was outnumbered. But as long as I had that scripture right there, the Lord is your light, salvation, whom should I fear? My life, I didn't go to church, but that right there stuck with me. When I, as I grew up, come on, man, I wish I, would, I could help individuals that was in my situation. It seems to me that that divine connection was basically watching over him at an early age. He didn't want to be a part of what was the norm, people just hanging out and just doing the various acts and just different things he didn't want to be a part of. I know from your backstory, you wanted to get into sports, football, you played football. So that was your focus to be separate from the crowd. I'll be separate from those activities and that's why here on Foster My Stories I also kind of highlight how the need is to continue to push extracurricular because a lot of times that's an outlet for the youth. 
Yeah, after school. And if you take those things away, I know there's a push to kind of take those things away and just have education, which is nothing wrong with education. But if a child doesn't have the music arts, performing arts, and any outlet sports, their mind is going to wander or they may very well end up in those situations more so. They're bombarded with daily. Can you tell listeners about football from college? If you live in a neighborhood that makes you like an at-risk environment and the society that's in there. But I just fell in love with football and I didn't want to warm the bench. Well, I wasn't all that good, but I know one day I like warm. No one bench. I had to concentrate. I had to practice. I had to lift weights. So all of this took up my time after school, you know. So by the time I got home, I was ready to fall asleep. This became a habit. I had a passion for football, you know. On the weekends when I'm off, you'll see me running, you know, trying to get faster. Or you just see me out there getting involved, you know, learning skills, uh, running skills, and to go to college and up to college, you know, I want to be a professional, you know, buy your mom, your dad a house, a cars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was the dream. That right there kept me out of a lot of delinquencies. My football coach, um, Alan Hopstein, like, Gibbs, come on, Gibbs, Gibbs. Coach, were you like a stepfather to us? Some of the guys, you know, he was like, hey, you got to get a C in your class. Why is you going to kick you off the football team? Better be studying. You got to study. You got to study. That was a big thing. Kept me in line. Dynamic to hear how definitely had a mentor in Mr. Alan Hopstein and how he pushed you and as well, you already had that motivation and determination not to warm the bench <laughs> so you basically pushed harder and wanted to just you know just try your best and just go after it all sounds to me that that was already the beginning stages of building you as an individual um, even though you didn't know it yet but that was building your character that was building up your personality eventually into your future what was the transition from football to job and life after high school I did get some scholarship. I even had an offer to be a walk-on at Oklahoma University. I was a running back, but I chose to go into the military. A lot of people was like, what? They could not believe that. They could not. They was like, you were in the military. You know, you supposed to go to college. You know, that's what my passion, everybody saw that. You know, I went into the military. That was a different world. The culture was black and white. I came from a predominantly African-American community. The Air Force was not predominantly African-American. <laughs> Night and day, you have to adapt, you have to improvise, you know, you have to overcome, you know what I'm saying? I very much um, learned and experienced. I had a passion to start going back to college. I was 18 years old, but my education was different from the 18-year-old's that I met that was in the Air Force. That's when I used to have the visceral reaction to individuals judging me, you know, judging my flaws. It would get me upset, I'd be mad. I learned, hey, the only way you're gonna change is that you gotta go back to school. Grammar, your writing skills, this is gonna have to change. I failed some glasses, you have to take them again. You can't punch everybody in the face, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it takes, you know, you don't have to overcome again. Psalms 27, the Lord is your light, salvation, whom should I fear? So then I was like, hey, that goes for your education, too. That's these classes. I took the number 27 because of the fact that mother and father is two, and my mother had seven kids. So that was my favorite number. But how did I get to the book of Psalms? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's 66 books in the Bible, but I don't know how I got to Psalms 27. I got there, and that was Psalms 27. That was it. With life, like a lot of times there's shifts in life that happen, and it took him another route. He decided to go into the military and or the Air Force, and then eventually the military. He was mentioning how he had visceral, I guess, episodes where it was just like uh, adapting to being judged and just his environment, being the better person, the better man. I call it a divine nudge for him. 
want to be able to relate to Psalms 27. Divine nudge was what put in his spirit to really look at that verse, to really relate to that verse. So even there, a lot of times we go through just different situations and we kind of feel like we're alone, nobody really understands, or we just disconnect or our environments is just crazy. can attest to that, have those moments of feeling like, man, we got to repeat stuff. We got to do stuff over again. I can attest math was my repeat. (laughs) So don't feel bad or any kind of way, especially listeners, if you've ever had to repeat anything, don't feel bad because that's part of life and really agility and endurance and really how you're going to come out stronger. We can't really see it at the time, but looking back, it's a lesson. The divine really nudge of Psalms 27, I see kind of help guided him. Coming from the military, what was your experiences? What was the new transitions as far as life? You had more freedom, like the duty of the Air Force, like three years, nine months, and 12 days. <laughs> like, I'm getting up out of here. The day I left out was the same day I entered into um, college. I had it planned just like that, one to the other. It was more freedom. I had to study more. It was a difference. Military police officer. It wasn't that hard for me. It wasn't hard for me at all. You know, even though I took one or two classes while I was in the military, here I had a full load. It was like, what? One class had maybe four books. Another class had three books. And this other class had, you know, another book. And then they'd be like, give me your homework assignments. Like, what? You, you actually think I'm going to read all these chapters and do this right here? And then come back to class the next day with the assignment done? It's crazy. Again, Psalms 27, David said he would have fainted if he didn't see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I was like, Lord Jesus, if you help me right here with this math, this algebra. But I wanted this degree. And at one point, I wanted to go back in as an officer. For you to be the officer in the military, you have to have a degree. Getting there is a different story. You just got to hang in there. You know, you got to endure to the end. Did you see it then or was it later on that you realized that, oh, wait a minute, this is a connection to my background, not how I grew up. And it just seems that this is now the area I'm kind of like moving towards. Was that a realization yet or that came later on? And if so, then how did that come? While I was at South Carolina State, I took up criminal justice and there was a connection there because, um, you know, you read about you know, some of the criminologies, Maslow, you know, his pyramid, and then he talks about the environment. And then I took up a abnormal psychology, and then I was like saying to myself, you know, these people, they're talking about me. Yeah, I lived this. Criminal justice put a label on it. That's it. You know, I know exactly what they're talking about. You know, the meaning, all I have to do is learn the word. It's part of my um, habitation, you know, so like weird because they labeled this as abnormal. <laughs> I was like, what? Then that's when things started coming together. Some police officers have anxieties, you know, and I didn't. Red in this type of area. Of course, you know, some people are like, oh, they're animals. No, they're not animals. There's a reason why. That's very dismissive. That's being dismissive. You know, you have to go into depth. Everyone is human. We act to things in different ways. Some people lack wisdom. Some people lack knowledge and understanding. You know, that's, that goes both ways. The individual who has this... Um, visceral reaction to the way things go on and then you have the individual who's a police officer he's supposed to be policing on both sides there's a lack of wisdom or part of knowledge or lack of understanding so I can't judge yeah they came together like God opened up these doors for you you want to make a difference in your community he brought you out of this now you can apply now read that book <laughs> read that criminal justice book math teacher in South Carolina State his name was Mr. Myers this dude I'm not 
not lying. You know, when I went to South Carolina State, I was like, I wasn't like 18 or 19. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like 20, 22 years old. You know, I'm a grown man. He would give out the exam according to the grades. First, he would give out all the A's, then all the B's. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I know this man ain't doing this. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Did he give out all the C's? I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I ain't get my paper yet. Oh, Lord, I'm a grown man. I'm like, you can't do this. You can't do this. I get my paper. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Then you go to the front of the class. Now, I'm telling you, you like maybe like 60 or 50 students in the class. Then he was like, and some of you in here couldn't make the speed limit. And the speed limit was 55. I was like, oh, Lord. I'm going home and study this. I don't care what. I mean, I study English. I mean, I study criminal justice. But I will study grammar here. Mr. Myers was a killer. Myers at South Carolina State. He's like the legend there. I'm reminiscing, or I can imagine that, you know, each of us have like a mentor or a teacher that we remember or just a subject matter that probably was like, uh, okay, can when I'm going to get through this? And so it sounded to me that it became natural. Classes you had that was really kind of labeling what you've already experienced and kind of putting it into a caste system. We learned about that in school, a caste system. And, but it's like, man, what are you talking about? That's my life. And so it's like that you were kind of planted there to say, you know what, you may say that this is in this book, but this is real life. What was the turning point from, okay, I could do this. This is my life. When you started to gain momentum and get from the other subjects into well into your studies, did it kind of like become smoother there? Did you graduate? And then if so, or was there any speed bump? I had mentors. At the time, I didn't even know they were my mentors, you know, being naive, but they were my mentors. Charles P. Austin. He was the chief of police at South Carolina State. He became the chief of police right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Miss Ballot Mack, she helped me out a lot. Studies. Dr. White, another instructor at South Carolina State. These are the criminal justice. The way they present the class, it made me more intuitive. It motivated me. I became a correction officer, Orangeburg Detention Center. In the daytime, I was in college. In the evening, I was a CO. Once I got the routine together, my GPA started going up. Knowledgeable. I was able to understand things. So, yeah, it was coming together there. It sounded like you were gaining momentum. You was gaining a flow and a dynamic to have these instructors, these mentors who was encouraging you, motivating you along the way, Dr. White. And then you definitely mentioned earlier, Alan Hopstein, and you had some other professors. I'm going to say this, like I said on another interview, they were like the rams in the bush <laughs> that was there to push you forward and then really get the, the momentum going for you to progress and progress and progress. When you came out of your studies, when you came out of your studies, was there any major questions that you wanted to address? What was the transition from that? I got my bachelor's in criminal justice. Being a correctional officer or working at Bamberg Job Corps, I can actually apply the things I learned and put it out there. People, when they graduate with one degree, they off into another job field, but I was able to stay in my job field, use the things that I learned at school. You know, you have to put in the time. I didn't go in there as a warden. You know, you got, you go start off as a CO, not a counselor. Your job is bars and concrete. Your job is to make sure they stay there. That's it. You're not there to be their counselor, you know, or their friend. One, y'all just agree on one thing. They want to escape, and you want to keep them there. That's it right there. That's We're going to agree to that. we agree to disagree, because that's it. That's it. True. I'm not going to be the CO who's nasty, you know, no, no, who will react irrational because of 
again, I came from a humble beginning. Everybody and everyone know if you're working in the prison system, get hostile in there. You're not going to take it to heart. You see that same inmate, you know, that happened, you know, last week, whatever. Move on, you know what I'm saying? You work release because you come to work, you behind bars, then you go home. No way you're going to keep a hostile towards somebody individual. And he got 20 years, 30 years. Then you retire. There's no sense. You agree to disagree. They want to escape. You want them there. And therefore, hey, keep it moving. When you were in Bamberg, Job Corps was at the beginning stages of what's my purpose and how can I be a change? Take us from there. At risk youth, juvenile delinquents. This is where you use your book knowledge because you want to make a change in their lives. How you can sit down and talk to them, try to get them to improve like classes where they have skills, work skills. And that's what they focus on, you know, in their education. Oh yeah, some individual like oh, the judge gave them a choice. You either go to jail or you go to Bamberg Job Corps. Learn a trade, then you move on. As a dorm counselor, I talked to him. I was able to use the things I learned in school. Abnormal psychology, you know, and stuff like that. Talk to him and you're trying to get them motivated in the morning, you know, stuff like that. Have you had any updates, any positive updates? Anyone come back and just say thank you for your time or thank you for taking time with me? Have you had those experiences yet? Yes, I have. Inmates, so happen they recognize me. Hey, Gibbs. I'll be like, uh-oh, who's this? You know, call me Gibbs, you know. <laughs> the family, like, uh-oh. That's the business name. You're like, it gives. you like, oh, hey, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you, man, you was all right, man. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay, I appreciate it. It's not going to be no lovey-dovey thing. It's like, I appreciate that, but that's, you know, I just keep on going, you know. I was teaching at Benedict. There was a young lady that was there, and she said, you Gibbs? I was like, yeah, I'm Gibbs. You remember me? I was like, no. Nah. She was like, I was a little girl at Bethel Bishop, and you was our community police officer. I was like, okay, yeah, you cared about us. I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, oh, so now you're a college student project area, Bethel Bishop, and they had Chappelle Apartments, and now she's a college student, and she remember me since she was a little girl. I was like, okay. I was like, that's okay. That's cool. You know, that's all right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but then it's, again, like, keep it moving. When I ask that, it's because, you know, I've also had other guests who, like yourself, who have made strides to make differences in their communities, and individuals who they have made an impact with have come back and said, thank you, or hey, you really cared about us. And so just hearing you say that by the young lady, understanding how she thought that you cared about them that makes the difference because especially when you're working with anyone whether they're adult whether they're youth they know the difference of anyone trying to come be a teacher or a counselor or anybody wanting to make a difference in the community how was your time at Benedict and what did you teach humanities I'm teaching like criminal justice pleasure because of the fact that I have background experience not just knowledge not only book knowledge I have my master's Phoenix University 3.3 GPA <laughs> I could have got it high I know I should, yeah. No, no, I could have got higher. But now, you know, it's just that me teaching and giving it back, you know, it's like, wow, I'm doing this. I'm actually doing this, you know. I'm an educator. I'm like, oh, cause, no, this is unbelievable, you know. Charles P. Austin, he has been a mentor to me. Big reason why a lot of things happen. Instrument that God used, he's an instrument. Mentors, gotta have mentors. Really having a mentor, having mentors is key. Gracefully chosen listeners, if you have you youth in your home or you yourself might be a youth listener or if you really have anything in the past where you wish you would have made a, a difference know that it's not too late because a lot of times the differences we can make probably don't come as quickly as we desire for them you may feel like well I'm not qualified to do this I don't have that but you never know in what ways that your past experience
experiences and just things that you are knowledgeable in can really help the next person. Just briefly touch on your scholarship and how that came to be. You don't have to get too deep. Sometimes complacency, that's something that God do not want. I was supposed to have moved on. I was at Columbia Police Department through the routines. In me, like, about time you move on. You know, if you got the experience, move on. But, you know, I was like satisfied, you know. I could stay here and just, I could do this. God put it in me. But I didn't have heart or the courage to do that. I'm looking at things like, what if I move on and I fail? You know, here I have a family and then, you know, and therefore your dreams, you have to push them aside, put them aside, you know, deal with reality. Reality say you got a family, you got to take care of your family. But it was in me, all right, it's time to move on. You got the experience, you got your bachelor's, you got to move on. But I wanted to stay. Then something very traumatic happened in my life. My daughter, she was um, getting on the school bus. She was struck by a car, you know. She had head injuries. She was at Richland Memorial Hospital. A week later, she had succumbed to her head injury. She passed away. That's when, you know, I had to have a talk with Jesus. Outlook, who he is, changing now. Is he almighty? Well, he's a God with limitations. He has limitations. He has limits. You know, some things he will do and some things he won't do. Take it to a point where... I'm saying, and now my faith is that he's almighty. And then the scripture, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good to those that love the God. I cannot say, like, my daughter's death is tragic. I have to say that this was in God's will. I have to believe that this was for his purpose. Maybe he wanted somebody to come to the Lord. I took my daughter to church. So basically, you're preparing your daughter for a life somewhere else. And then when she's called, you got a problem with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you like, everybody want to go to heaven, but you definitely ain't going to go to heaven in the flesh. So you definitely got to say to yourself, he's almighty God. This was for a purpose. It hurt me. But, you know, years it hurt me. And I long for my daughter. You know, I want to see her. I want to be with her. Crystal would tell her about the Lord. And when that day came, everybody want to go like in their sleep. But that's the way he called her. Pray that someone read about it and came to the Lord. Or somebody start thinking about, I think I better go to church because life is short. I want to commend Mr. Lyman for sharing that testimony. I fostered my stories. We definitely want to share achievement-focused content, but also the desire is also to share real-life experiences because it's in those real-life testimonies and experiences that often lead up to the achievement focus that we tend to highlight here. A lot of times we have to talk about real things that our guests have gone through, uh, myself and my guest and hopefully you as listeners can appreciate that hey this person went through a real situation and I went through a situation and you may have been or currently going through a situation but what he touched on and was just really a testament to his individual faith you know earlier we spoke about Psalms 27 and Romans 8 and how really that was a divine nudge for him already to acknowledge that he wasn't alone he already been through some life situations that tested him as an individual and once again I'm going to express that you don't have to be in a four wall you don't have to be in a church really or anything you don't have to be ordained as anything for you to have a divine nudge the revelation comes to what is my purpose why am I here how can I make a difference and change the desire is for her life to have possibly been a testimony for someone else I'm excited for Lyman to share what came out of that of course he had to go through his own individual healing process he can now see in remembrance Psalms 27 and Romans 8 28 came into play then he was able to listen to focus regroup and to also make a change in his community based off of that could you tell listeners about your scholarship, who was the first recipient, and requirements, and how can people apply? The scholarship is 
named after my belated beloved Wanda Michelle Nicole Gibbs. It's at USC School of Medicine here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Part of the criteria, you have to come from a Christian County School District 1. Also, you have to be a part of an underrepresented class. Um, it's very competitive, very competitive. So you got to get that GPA up there, you know. First award went out here, 2018. First year school student, Miss Nima Tell. All things work together, you know. Here, and just so happened, thought I was in the third grade when uh, she got involved in a deadly car accident. And then the next year, Nima, she was going to the second grade. Same school, Brennan. And we was like, hey, you know, sometimes all things work together was cool. Somebody said that hey, your, your daughter embody her. <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, this is all right, you know. Make the dream come true, you know. Amazing. First recipient attended the same school as your daughter. That's divine. And how it just all panned out, it played out. And so I'm excited for the progression of the scholarship. If you know any youth listeners or you have a youth in your home who is desiring to go into the medical field, encourage them that there's scholarships out there for them. They have to keep up their studies, their grades. GPA. Besides your scholarship, have you been moved to kind of like create more programs, workshops, anything coming up in the future? The thing now is I want that scholarship to grow. Of course, South Carolina State University is a part of that scholarship, but, but they used to have a um, nursing program. If you was going to um, the field of trauma, the scholarship was open up for you as well. My understanding in South Carolina State, they closed their nursing field, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, but now the thing is I was trying to get a hold of Bill Gates Foundation to make a donation or network so I can get the scholarship to grow. And then, of course, myself, to better improve myself, I wanted to go for my Ph.D. It might be in chaplaincy, back into the um, criminal justice or maybe sociology. I always want to improve myself. I always look at that. You always got to improve your skills and make yourself better. That's part of life. Yeah, always improve yourself, always. The effort is always to improve upon yourself. He was looking for ways to possibly build upon that scholarship and other opportunities. And maybe listeners, you may know someone right here in the community to help him build up the foundation, the scholarship foundation and other opportunities. Um, because giving back, especially to in the medical field and then definitely for, you know, underserved communities, that's a dynamic area. And I commend him for wanting to really help out and pay it forward in that way. So, yes, listeners, feel free to reach out out to Lyman Gibbs, L-Y-M-A-N-G-I-B-B-S. And you can find him via LinkedIn. You can also email him at DKD27K9446. That's DK27K9446 at yahoo.com. I highly advise that you reach out to him. He's making strides here in his community. The long call that um, Benedict, I left Columbia PD, I became an international police officer. And, you know, that has broadened my horizon experience and it made me more stronger faith in Christ. In the book of Isaiah, and it's in chapter 7, you know, God was trying to tell the people of Israel, you know, don't worry about your enemy. You know, they're, you know, they're not permanent, you know. But what he wanted them to do was to stand firm in their 
faith. And he was like, if you can't stand firm in your faith, I can't help you. You have to believe. In Hebrews 11, you know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't believe in Isaiah 7, basically he was like telling them, look, look, the Savior is coming, you know, Emmanuel. If you don't believe, then he said, like, I can't make you stand firm. And again, go back to Psalms 27. That's the catch-all. <laughs> That's the catch-all one right there, right? He said, be of good courage, and I'm going to strengthen your heart. You know, wait on the Lord. But you have to be of good courage. Maybe I put some more trials and tribulations on your way. I put some more trials your way. I bet you would start believing. <laughs> Oh Lord, help me! Maybe that'll, be, that'll do it. But you have to stay, you have to stand firm in your faith. I remember someone said, "If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything." Once you get on that road, you want to finish college, you want a job, find something. For me, it was scripture. I'm not the most spiritual man in the world. Church is with you everywhere you go. Read Bible, you know. By me traveling overseas, you know, I'll see the Muslims. They have this thing to call the prayer at like five o'clock in the morning. Their speakers. There we go. Oh, oh, the call of prayer. I mean, that goes out all over the city. I have seen people driving cars and they stop right in the middle of the street and get out and start praying. People walking on the sidewalk. They stop and get on their hands and knees and stop praying. I've seen two police officers. One stood guard and the other one got on his knees and stopped praying. I'm not Muslim. I believe in Jesus Christ. That right there, I was like, you need to pray more and you need to read your Bible. Being an international police officer, um, the dynamics is different. Working for the State Department, our mission is different. It exposed me to a lot, and yes it did. Although it was a difference of view, point of view, it was still a lesson of faithfulness. They had faith and it was a unified understanding and it was a unified effort but the lesson for you and really a lesson to all of us especially gracefully chosen listeners who are ambassadors for the kingdom you know more you know be focused more and individually in our prayer in our faith in our development in our spiritual walks unto god i'm gonna go deeper in another podcast it's a character called humility be humble being humble is not a weakness that's part of my process i had to learn throw your cares upon the lord and all that and you like saying yourself you know i can handle this but you know somebody insults you you know they witty and you know i don't make them witty you know it could be ignorant you know and just say some stupid stuff and you got to be humble you know and you want to be a productive citizen that's what makes him a doctor because he studied like a doctor what make a teacher because they study like a teacher what make a janitor because he studied like a janitor that's the difference. I'm not trying to degrade or put in no class on anybody. Like Martin Luther King said, you be the best. If you're a janitor, be the best. But what I'm saying is this, you can become anything you want to, but you got to study like that field you want to go into. You have to study. If you want to be a doctor, a surgeon, then you study like a doctor. You study like a surgeon. That's what you got to do. Keep the faith. Be humble. Yeah, be humble. And just keep the faith. Definitely words of wisdom for any listener that's, you know, listening today here on Foster My Stories. Humility is very key. I'm being reminded of quite a few individuals growing up um, that we may have heard about different exploits. And you hear about the heroic ones. You hear about the courageous ones. But the ones I feel that sticks out the most in anything, whether it's business, whether it's in life, whether it's in your past, is those individuals you remember that had humility. They were humble about their beginnings, humble about their surroundings, humble about anything, current achievements or anything. It's the humility to remember, you know, hey, this is where I came from. This is part of my background. This is my background. And what I've been through is now helping me to progress for the future. And so I commend that 
humility is key you know that's a daily effort and revelation and a continuous choice if you do have those nudges those divine nudges and you're wanting to know more about your purpose in life don't be afraid to listen to those nudges and then of course divine revelation and then a lot of times that may come through the right mentors the right connections and if you are a youth listening and really anyone an adult listening you know our surroundings you know who we hang around and the connections we have relationships and things we allow in our environments can definitely play a part in how we progress and how we grow if you have someone negative in your atmosphere if you have someone that's in a group that's always uh looking to do a lot of the wrong things you may have to reevaluate that situation because doing so may help you realign and line up with your purpose and allow you to progress forward so yes once again i enjoyed having lyman here on foster my yes you're welcome here on foster my stories if you would like to be a part of foster my stories you may very well have um related to the adoption orphan foster care or underserved community i would love to interview you as a featured guest if you have a service in the community that has helped others and or that's helping others i would like to interview you as a a special guest community guest and if you are an expert in the field related to foster care adoption orphan and underserved i would love to interview you as a featured special guest for foster my stories i'm so excited and thank you for joining us for this new season season three of foster my stories um you can catch foster my stories content will be uploaded Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Red Circle, via Spotify, and via Amazon's Audible. They connected via the Foster My Stories Facebook page. If you have any questions, inbox me. And if you enjoyed today's content, reach out once again to Mr. Lyman Gibbs. That's L-Y-M-A-N-G-I-B-B-S. You can find him on LinkedIn. And also, you can find him via his email address. Once again, his email address is dk27k9446 at yahoo.com. And before I go, Mr. Mr. Lyman, was there any anything else you wanted to say? Again, I thank you. Uh, it's 100% and I, I, it was a pleasure uh, for you having me. You know, this is... Um, this is something, you know, life, you know, this is like, thank you very much, you know, I really appreciate this, you know, you, you take the time out, you know, and I, this, you saw me, there's a lot of important, and a lot of people that out here in Columbia, all of, and you just took the time out to look at one of the little ones, <laughs> look at one of the little guys and said, oh, let me see what I can do for him, that's so I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's all. That was cool. That's all good. Yeah. Grateful to thank you for even being my guest. And you're a giant in the kingdom. So know that. (laughs) And so know that you're not you're not small in the kingdom and so i i appreciate that um comment and listeners once again um being foster underserved orphan and um adopted simply means you're gracefully chosen you have a dynamic rest of your day